Yeah. Yeah. Does everybody have a copy of our, uh, our handout, our listening guide? I want to make sure everybody has that to follow along with us today. If you do not have a copy of that and would like one, just lift your hand. Okay. Right down here in front, Miller. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Okay. My uh, volume seems a bit high this morning. Could we adjust that, please? Thank you. Thank you. Our sermon series is about following Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. We really do want to find out what that means and what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in the day in which we live. What does it look like on a daily basis? How does that work out? How does my relationship with Christ become very real on an hour-by-hour basis? I want to welcome the, the people who have joined us by way of the internet. So grateful that you've become part of our listening audience. And I ask you to just download that listening guide that's right there and follow along with us as we study God's Word. One of the characteristics of Jesus followers is that they are involved in being the church. What is the church? Well, it's not the building. The church is not the building. This happens to be the building that is called Eastside Baptist Church, but the church is made up of the people. And so together we are a group of Jesus followers who've been called out of the world to glorify God in our lives. So the word church comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, which literally means called out. So we've been called out of the world. We're not to act like the world or think like the world or be like the world. We're called out to be like Christ. That is our calling. That is what makes us the church. So what does it look like for a Jesus follower to be involved in church? I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This is sometimes called the Great Commission. It is given to the church. It's our primary directive. And here's what it says, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So this is our prime directive, and as a church, we are focused on 
helping people learn to be Jesus followers. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a learner of Jesus, to learn about Him, to have a relationship with God through faith in Him, to let the Spirit of God work in our lives so that we become more like Him in our character, in our decisions, in our thought processes. We grow in our faith to be more like Jesus. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So being the church is about our attitudes, our character, our relationships. It's really not about buildings. Here are some practical steps for us. For the follower of Jesus, here's some practical things. This is what it means to be a Jesus follower in the church. This is what it looks like on a very practical level. Number one, if you're following along in your listening guide, Jesus followers function as part of the body of Christ. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're doing some Bible drill this morning, so I hope you're able to find these verses and just read along with me. I'll read aloud. You follow along in your Bible. I'm reading from the New King James. You shouldn't have any trouble following, uh, regardless of the translation that you happen to be using. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. What does it look like for a Jesus follower? Well, we're involved in the church body. Here it is. Verse 12, For as the body, speaking of the body of Christ, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Essentially, that says, we are all members of Christ, and as such we are members of each other. That means we have responsibilities to each other. Listen to verse 13. For by one Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That means everybody becomes a Jesus follower the exact same way. There's no special class of Christians. Everybody comes the same way. We come by the cross, by the blood, by the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord works in our lives, and every believer, listen, every believer is baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. That simply means that the day you got saved, you were brought in union with Jesus Christ. And now you have a relationship with God because of that union with Christ. You are eternally united to Him. For by one Spirit you were all baptized. You were brought into relationship with Christ. That's what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So if you are a believer, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. You cannot become a believer without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion about that term. Some people think that being baptized in the Spirit is a second work of grace, but not according to Scripture. 
according to Scripture, this is the way you become a Christian. You are brought into union with Christ by the operation of the Holy Spirit of God. He works in your life. He causes you to be born again. He gives you the ability to repent. He gives you new life in Jesus Christ. He gives you forgiveness of sins. He's the one who ministers grace to your heart. It is He who does this. So, I can't save you. Your neighbor can't save you. The church can't save you. Only God can save you. When He does that work in your life, you are brought into union with Christ, never to be separated from Christ again. And the Scriptures are very clear about that. Continuing on. For by one Spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. What that means is, that even Howard, even though he doesn't have any hair, was treated the same way by the Spirit of God. Even Vivian, with her beautiful voice, had to come to Christ the exact same way. Why, even Boots Dixon, World War II veteran, came to Christ the same way. Is that not right, Brother Boots? All right. So whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, male or female, whatever, we all have been made to drink into one spirit. Here's what that's saying. When you got saved, you were not only brought in union with Christ, but you were personally indwelt by the Holy Spirit. How many believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Every single one of them. All of them. If you are saved, you are presently indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always in you. And He sealed you in Christ the day you got saved. There is, If I could open up your life today, if I could open up your heart, there would be a little seal on it that says, Purchased by the blood of Christ, property of the Holy Spirit. Secured by the Father's love, it would it would be right there on my life, and and it'd be right there on everybody's life. Everybody who knows Christ, you say, well, I sometimes don't feel Him. I, let me just tell you, your feelings are not the important thing. The facts are what are important, and the fact is, the Bible says you have been indwelt by the Spirit of God. Every single one of you. Okay, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Okay, let me tell you what that says. Every last one of us is important. It's not Pastor White. Amen? It's not. It's not Millard Moorhead. It's not people up front. Every last one of you is a member of Christ. And as such, you are highly valued by God. You have worth and dignity because of Him. He not only created you, He redeemed you. So, in fact, 
you are twice his. His by right of creation and his by right of redemption. You are twice his. So, the scripture says, as a Christ follower, I am functioning as part of the body of Christ. Notice every follower of Jesus has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you're part of the body of Christ. If you're saved, you're permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus' followers promote and protect the unity of the church. I'm reading from Philippians. I hope you'll turn there and follow along with me. Paul wrote to the Philippian believers in chapter 2. Just want to read these verses. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes, he says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, the word consolation means comfort. If any comfort of love, comfort and love are part of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. If any fellowship of the Spirit, comfort, love, and fellowship are what it means to be part of the body of Christ. If you're a Jesus follower, these things are important to you. Comfort, love, and fellowship. If any affection and mercy. You see, as a Jesus follower, I experience love, comfort, encouragement, fellowship, mercy, forgiveness. All of these things are experienced in relationship to the church. Which is why God gave us the church. He, he said, you're going to need each other. You're going to need each other to get through this. Now listen to what he says. Verse 2, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, which means I need to leave my pride at the door. In fact, if you're really wise, you'll leave your pride at the cross. Amen? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. That means my attitude of heart, because I'm a Christ follower, should say, you are more important than I am. Your opinion matters more than mine. Your concerns are more important than mine. Your needs are more important than mine. If I'm doing that, and everybody else is too, guess what? We have mercy and love and fellowship and encouragement and oneness of mind prevails. If, however, people say, well, I have an agenda, and I am going to get my way one way or another, then you are not Christ's follower. You are the devil's follower. That's why it says, don't let anything be done by selfish conceit. 
Selfish conceit is one way of saying, I am the center of the universe, and it only matters what I want. You know that there's actually some people that live that way? <laughs> they think it's all about them. You can see them on Facebook all the time. About every other day, they'll post a selfie. That's a great name for it. Selfie. Because it's all about you. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. And my mind being submitted to His mind because I want to know, first of all, what is the will of God in this situation? What does it say? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I'm to look out for your needs. I'm to say what's important to you is important to me. Let each of you, listen to this, this is practical, friends. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. I have to be concerned with the interests of every person in the body. And if I'm following Christ, he's going to help me to do that. Okay. Practical. As a Christ follower, I'm going to promote unity and I'm going to protect unity in the church body. Following Jesus means I look out for the interests of others. And I look out for the unity of the Spirit. Number three, Jesus' followers pray for their pastor and each other. Lord, I hope you're doing that. Ephesians chapter 6, reading verses 18 through 20, Paul again writes to the Ephesian believers. Here's what he says. To everybody, praying always. How's your prayer life, friends? How are you doing? You spending enough time in prayer? Have you prayed about that situation enough? Have you bathed it in prayer? Have you sought the Lord and His will? Have you taken it before the throne of grace? Have you prayed? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That is, my will is yielded to the Father's will. When I begin praying, I say, God, it doesn't matter what I want. What really matters is what do you want. So I'm praying in the Spirit, directed by the Spirit. I'm praying according to the will of God. And I'm praying about every situation that God brings to my attention. Praying, he says, always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. The word perseverance means spiritual staying power. There are days, friends, when I want to give up. There are days when I want to give up. I want to quit. I get tired. And I just want to say, this is just too much. I don't feel like doing it anymore. What does it say? Praying with perseverance, with spiritual staying power, which says, Lord, my feelings about this 
are secondary to your will about this. I will pray it through. I'm going to continue praying regardless of how I feel. I'm going to pray directed by your spirit, and it doesn't matter what I want. It matters what you want. And so I'm praying it through all the way. I'm praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for who? For who? For all the saints. That means I have to I have to pray for you. I am spiritually obligated as a follower of Christ to pray for you. And you have a responsibility to pray for me. We're coming to that. But I have a spiritual responsibility as a Christ follower. It's my job. Before this worship service started, I've already prayed for you. Not just when I got up there to pray. I've already prayed for you. And you should be praying for one another. God set it up in His Word that we needed each other and prayer was the key. We pray for one another, for our needs. Listen to it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, Paul says. Here's what I want you to pray for me, Lord. <laughs> all you, my friends, my fellow believers, here's how I want you to pray for me. Pray that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am, Paul said, an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So I hope I plead with you. Pray for each other. Pray for your pastor. So that the will of God may be done in our lives. That we may be followers of Jesus Christ and properly reflect the fact that he is the risen Christ in our midst. We want to reflect that in our relationships with each other. Praying with all perseverance. Praying in the Spirit. Number four, Jesus' followers serve Christ by serving others. This is Galatians and chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. Paul again writing to the believers at Galatia. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. God wants you to live and to walk in freedom. Do you feel free this morning? Because that's God's calling for you. Freedom. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an occasion or an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what happens if you're a Christ follower in the church. You are looking for opportunities to serve other people. 
you're doing it because you love Christ and you're doing it because you love each other. You're looking for opportunities to serve the Lord by serving one another. That's what a Christ follower does. And imagine this. If we had a church where everybody in the membership was saying, I'm looking for the opportunity to God to love and serve somebody today. I'm looking for that chance to love somebody and serve them and pray for them and encourage them. I want to be a blessing to somebody today. What if we had a whole church of people like that? Why can't we? Why can't we have a whole church full of people like that? That have on their minds not, well, I sure hope somebody takes care of me today. I sure hope somebody blesses me today. I sure hope I get something out of the message today. I sure hope the worship is good today. I sure hope it's about me today. Instead of that, God, I'm walking into this place by your Holy Spirit's power. Open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear. Open my heart to respond to you so that I might bless and encourage and lift up and comfort that I might be a source of your love and show me somebody I can serve today. That is the biblical responsibility of Christ's followers. I propose to you the reason we are not powerful in our witness is because nobody is obeying Christ. Obeying Him. By saying, God, I'm here for you. I... I'm here to serve. I'm here to love on people. I'm here to encourage people. I want to be a blessing to people. Instead, somehow we've gotten the idea that it's all about us. Why don't you do something for me, just real quickly. Somebody is sitting real close to you. I want you to turn to them, look them right in the eye, and say, it's not about you. <laughs> huh? Y'all enjoyed that too much. <laughs> All right. All the laws fulfilled in this, if you love one another. You know what they said about the early church? Behold how they love one another. Following Christ means we look for those opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ in a practical way. We serve one another. We want to meet the needs. Number five, Jesus followers lead their families to be loyal followers of Jesus. Jesus' followers lead their families. I want to make this quick comment about Betty Scott. That family not only lost a mother and a grandmother, they lost a spiritual leader. She was the spiritual leader of that family. Now, I'm asking you a question this morning. Are you, as a Christ follower, leading your family?
to follow Jesus. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Here's what he said. He said, you can go and serve whatever God you want to serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Being a Christ follower means that you are passionate about leading other people to become Christ followers, especially your family members. It is our spiritual responsibility. Biblically, we have a responsibility to lead others to faith in Jesus Christ, to become followers of Jesus. And that begins at home. And instead of sending the kids to church, we bring the kids to church. Instead of sitting back waiting to see what's going to happen, you step up and take the lead. And you say, I'm leading my family to follow Christ. Because friend, if you don't do it, who's going to? You say, well, I I'm not the person in charge. It doesn't matter. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to lead people in your family to follow Christ. It doesn't matter if you're the head of the home. You still have the biblical responsibility. And if the head of the home isn't going to do it, you step up and do it. You step up and lead people because you may be the only influence for Christ in that home. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Thank God for mothers and grandmothers who have taken that stand and said, Hey, in this house, we are going to church. Get ready. Get up, because this is priority. We're going to do it. Following Jesus means we lead others in our family to follow Jesus, and we do this by setting the example. Number six, Jesus' followers view the church as a gift from God. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Jesus' followers view the church as a gift from God. That means... I see church as a privilege, not as a responsibility. I see church as a privilege and a joy, not as an obligation. I see church as a commitment that I make, not a convenience. If, if I'm a Christ follower, then I see the church as a gift from God, and I am there with my heart because I love God and I want to follow the Lord. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles. Hold up. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And there's really four offices there that are being talked about that are gifts from Jesus to his church. 
Now think about this. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Which is another way of saying my job as your pastor is to help you get involved in ministry. To equip you, to support you, to encourage you, to guide you, to help you to become a follower of Christ and to serve Christ within his church. That's my job. So listen, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, my job is to help you build up each other, help you to be encouragers of each other, help you to pray for one another, to encourage you in that work. That's my job, which is why I'm preaching. That's <laughs> why I'm teaching the Word of God, why I take time to go and explain these passages and what it means to you on a practical level. It's my job. And if you are a follower of Christ, you see that I'm doing my job and it makes you want to do your job. Because you see, everybody in the church has a responsibility to the Lord for every other member of the body. We are connected whether you like it or not. Listen, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that is the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, the word means mature. So we're going to grow up, is what it's talking about. Growing up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Listen to that. We are joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. And it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are eternally connected to each other and to Christ and our job is to build up this body and to look out for each other praying for one another and serving one another and loving one another, looking out for each other's needs and caring about each other. That's our biblical responsibility as Christ followers. And if you're not doing that, you're not following Christ. Everybody with me? So it's my job. It's my responsibility as a follower of Christ Following Jesus means we see the church not as an obligation, but as a privilege. We see the church as a gift from God to help us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to support us, and to help us grow in our faith. That we may grow up in all things. Finally, number seven. You ready? 
buckle up. Here we go. Jesus' followers support the mission of the church through tithes and offerings. I'll just read you what the Bible says. All right, here we go. This is Malachi chapter 3. This, by the way, was my dad's favorite verse. He loved this verse, and he would quote it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Listen to what it says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. It's a promise from God. Now let me just say this. I think you can be a tither and still be robbing God. Because I really think it's about tithing. I think it's about your heart. What's really going on in your heart. But biblically, here's what happens in a Christ follower. As a Christ follower, my desire to give and invest in the kingdom of God grows as my, as my faith matures. And so not only do I want to tithe, I want to give generously to the work of the kingdom. And here's what you find out when you're doing that. You cannot outgive God. It is the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. I give $100, he gives more back. I give 200 he gives more back. I'm just telling you, when your heart is right and you're looking for opportunities to invest in God's kingdom, God will bless you. He will open the windows of heaven. He will multiply what is coming into your life. He is a blessing God who loves to bless his obedient children. But if you're not giving, listen carefully, if you are not giving to God on a regular basis, if you are not giving, your heart is not right with God. I'm just telling you, that's not my opinion, that is the Word of God. If you are not giving to God out of a generous heart, out of deep gratefulness for all that He's done for you, you are not right with God. And you need to get right with God and settle those things. Giving generously to the mission of the church is part of what it means to be a Christ follower. Well, you say, that's the Old Testament. Okay, well, let's just go over to the New Testament. How about chapter 9 in Second Corinthians? Here you go, beginning in verse 6. Well, that was that Old Testament stuff about tithing. Yeah, yeah. Let me just tell you this. Abraham tithed before the law ever came. And Jesus said to his followers, You ought to tithe and do more. Second hmm. Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you're stingy with God, he's going to be stingy with you. 
If you're generous with God, He's going to be generous with you. It is a biblical principle. This I say, who, who, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, listen to this, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. You know what that says? See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That's what it says. Trust me, God says. Most people don't give because they don't trust God. They just think, you know, I've got to have this money to pay this electric bill. I want to know. I want you to know something. Listen carefully. If you will honor God with the first ten percent, your electric bill will get paid. I'm just telling you. If you put God first, you'll be amazed. Listen to what uh, Matthew six thirty three says: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God. If you're writing your check to the church as the last check, you have missed the point. Seek first the kingdom of God. You put God first. That means he's first on the list. That means if every other bill doesn't get paid, I'm giving my gift to the Lord to acknowledge him as the source of everything I have. He is the source, isn't he? So that's practically what it means to be a Christ follower and to be a part of the church, to be part of the body of Christ. It is a practical way that we follow Jesus. We feel compelled to give generously to the work of the Lord, and we give, not because we have to, but because we want to. All right, now let's wrap this up and talk about what kind of decisions need to be made today. First of all, some of you may be here and you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You've been listening to this series on following Jesus and you realize, hey, I have never committed my life to Jesus. I'm not really a Jesus follower because I've never committed my life to him. I'd never, A, admitted that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. And B, I've never believed on Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the one who died for my sins and rose again the third day. I've never believed on Him. And C, I've never committed my life to Him. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. If you've never made that commitment, we want to give you that opportunity today. Will you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you say, yes, I'm, I'm ready to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he rose again the third day. I believe that he's the Son of God, but today I'm ready to commit my life to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, committing your life to him. Is there anybody here? who would say, for the very first time, you'd say, hey, that's me. You've been talking to me 
all morning long, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here that would do that today? You realize that you need to follow Christ and commit your life to Him, and you're ready to take that stand. I'm going to ask you to stand up if that's you. You need to make that commitment, and just stand up right where you are so I can pray for you. I'd like to do that. Anybody here? Okay. I'm looking around. I don't see anybody standing. I guess that means that everybody here has a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that you've already committed your life to Him. Well, here's the second thing we might do. As a result of what we've heard, I need to recommit my life to Christ today. Some of you have put Christ on the back burner. You've kind of been operating in your own strength and going through life in your own power, and it's getting tiresome. Wears you out, doesn't it? It's exhausting. Yes, you committed your life to Christ, but it's time for you to step up and say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ today. Is that you? If that's you, would you stand up? Listen, if you can't stand up in here, amen, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you can't stand up in here, guess what? You will never stand up out there. If you can't stand up in here where people are cheering for you, amen, God bless you. Thank, thank both of you. God bless you both. You know what that standing does? It says to God, I heard you speaking to my heart today, and I am responding to you. That's what it says. Is there anybody else? Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for making that commitment. Just remain standing for just a second. Anybody else that needs to make that commitment today? Amen. All right, church, how about joining me as we pray for these? Anybody else wants to get in on that? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. Proud of you. Anybody else wants to get in on that? great thing. Church, join me. Let's pray for these who've made this new commitment to the Lord today. Your Father, you see every heart. You see every response. You see every need. We're just asking you right now to especially bless these who stood and said, I need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Lord, would you seal that decision in their hearts? And may the Holy Spirit make very real in their lives the commitment they've made to you today. Thank you for speaking to hearts. May your name be glorified in every life. We pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen.